table guy myself, so I had to bring this up here. But hello, good morning. For those of you guys who don't know, my name is Richard Brumley, and I am the Community Life Minister at Generations Church, also known as, if you ask Kyle, the master of fun. So <laughs> I realized, you know, came in a little later than after John and Kyle. They're like, we need someone who knows how to have a good time. That's me, full of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Miss Peggy, I love you so much. Yeah, yeah, I guess I kind of lobbed her, lobbed her a soft one. She's welcome for that. But uh, no, I'm super glad that you guys are all here. I'm so glad that you guys are here this morning. I'm glad for everybody who's online as well. Um, still get to see me, you know, so there's plenty of the master of fun up here. I'm just going to roll with that from now on. So you guys kind of, you know, so prepare yourselves for that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a story with you guys, and don't worry, I have permission to share this story because you'll see it in the end of it. But when I found out that I was teaching this week on the last one, my humble thought, first of all, was, well, Kyle saved the best for the last, so he wanted me to come up here, but I'm just kidding. No, I was, I was curious. I was, like, I was like, let me go see what the last one is, and then I saw that it was coveting, and I was like, huh? I was like, what? You couldn't have given me, like, stealing or lying, you know, one of the kind of the more easier ones, right? You just had to kind of give me the, the tough one of coveting. So then I, I looked it up, you know, and I had to get the definition and all that good stuff and kind of see what it meant. And then I was like, okay, I kind of see what, what's going on here. So then I was like, well, let me ask other people and see if they know what it means. Got a lot of interesting answers. I got a lot of people thought I said covenant instead of coveting. And it's actually kind of funny because I asked my brother and I said, hey, what do you think this means? And he goes, well, it's the bad guys from Halo. And for those of you who don't know, <laughs> Halo is a popular Xbox game. And the, the bad guys in the game are called the Covenant. They've made a couple movies and shows on it. And I go, that's the Covenant. Sure, you know, I mean, that's a Covenant. Not the Covenant, but it's a Covenant. And, and I told him Covenant. He goes, wait, I don't know. He goes, aren't you the minister? Shouldn't you know? And I go, touche. <laughs> and so we, you know, we, we did that. We had a good laugh and everything. And then he follows it up with, that's going to be in your teaching on Sunday, isn't it? And I go, most definitely. He knew. He knew it was coming. I, you know, he's, yeah, he knew. Yeah, that's, you know, guilty by association, right? But I did. I went on to ask a few more people. And it got me thinking, that a lot of people, you know, like I said, a lot of people thought I said covenant, or they just didn't really know what coveting was and what it meant. And that kind of made me think, you know, who else is kind of like that? And if we don't have a true meaning of the word, then we can't see the true meaning of the reason why it's on there, that, that you should not covet. And Kyle kind of said this last week, and I want to share it with you guys again, that a lot of people, a lot of times, we look at the Ten Commandments as rules, as restrictions, as something to hold us back. But if we switch our thinking on the Ten Commandments and we look at them like guardrails, it'll change the way we see them. When you're driving on a switchback mountain road, you don't get mad at the guardrails that stop you from flying off the cliff, ultimately to your death, right? Someone put those there at a great expense and for our good that we may travel safely. And I share that to say that we need to understand that the Ten Commandments are for our good. That they came at a great expense. That they came from a place of love. And once we see this, 
we can then learn how to use the Ten Commandments to grow in our connection with God. So let's take a look at the scripture together again. The wonderful Mrs. Peggy read it for us. So I'm not going to read the whole thing again because one of my requests to Kyle was, hey, can someone else read the scripture for me? That's a big piece of scripture. He goes, well, I'm not going to be there Sunday. And I go, I got a bad back. Don't worry. (laughs) I got it. But I'm just going to look at 17 through 21. It says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give dishonest testimony against your neighbor, do not covet your neighbor's wife or desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male or female slave, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Hmm. Commandments 6 through 9 are ones that prohibit acts of evil. Murder, adultery, stealing, lying. Commandment 10 is the one that prohibits the thing that leads to those acts of evil, and that's coveting. It's the only law in the 10 that regulates our thoughts and not just our actions. Coveting is more than just wanting something. Moses describes it as a desire to have something. We can still admire what our friends have and be happy for them, but it's when our admiration turns into a desire that makes us plot how to get that from our friends and to get what we don't have. It's when we resent our friends or build anger and jealousy towards them because they have something that we don't have and now we want it because they have it. And that's the thing with covenant is that it's never enough. We are always wanting more, more, and more. Coveting turns our neighbors, friends, and family who we are called to love into obstacles and competition. And when we have that view, our mindset is to bulldoze and hurt and overcome those said obstacles. Instead of what Jesus calls us to, and that is to love our neighbors at whatever cost. Albert Curry Wynn said one time that God's dream is a world where we are more concerned with our neighbor's good than our neighbor's goods. Let me read that one more time. God's dream is of a world where we are more concerned with our neighbor's good than our neighbor's goods. See, the last commandment, Moses talks about the different things that we covet over. Our neighbor's wife, our neighbor's house, his fields, animals, and more. But how can we be aware that we are starting to show signs of coveting over these things. So I want to share with you guys a couple ways to see that it's happening. The first way is when we start to say things like, if only I had. If only I had that big house with all that land, I could do this. Says, we say things like, wait, what? Oh, there it is. (laughs) 
See, I numbered my pages thinking that I knew what I was doing. I didn't number them, right? That's okay. We're going to work through it. It's all right. So we say, if only I had. That's the first one. The second one is when we say, I wish I had. I wish I had that cool car. I wish I had that beautiful wife. I wish I had those designer clothing. And another way is if we start to build anger towards our friends or our neighbor for having what we don't have is another sign of coveting. Coveting is like a spark. It can start small with a single thought, and then the next thing you know, it's like an out-of-control wildfire, where then you start to plot and scheme how to get what you have from your neighbor. You see, coveting happens when we live in discontentment. Our discontentment is an expression of how much more we think God owes us, or that God doesn't care about us, or doesn't want to help us. See, and our motivation is all wrong. Our motivation is, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I'm tired of having to ask for help all the time. Our motivation is seeing our friends with the newest model car and us getting upset that it's one year newer than what we have. And we have to think, well, I need to one-up that person and go get the newest car now. And that's the reason we do that is because that's what the world portrays. The world wants us thinks that our identity is found in having a nice big house, having a nice, super luxurious car, having the nicest clothes or the beautifulest wife or husband or whatever it is. In all reality, our identity is in Christ. That we were wonderfully and beautifully made, that we are a loved child of God, just like the rest of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think that's kind of the little part that we forget is that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are all called to love each other. And I think that's something that we, especially myself, needs to start remembering that and looking at that that way, that you guys aren't competition, that I'm not competition, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. You're going to get me all excited up here, Charles. You keep doing that. I was told I needed to slow down. You get me worked up. I'm going to fly through this, eh? So... The question now becomes, how can I prevent myself from coveting my neighbor's stuff? We must strive to live in contentment. Contentment isn't about what you have, it's about what has you. Let me show that one more time. That we must strive to live in contentment. Contentment isn't about what you have, It's about what has you. I want to share with you guys three ways that I think will help us live in contentment. The first and most important is to seek the Lord. True contentment can only come from being in connection with God. That we must focus and nurture our relationship with him by constantly being in connection with him. That we need to give generously. That when we live in connection with God and find contentment, we will be prone to respond and want to respond by giving generously. It becomes giving out of what we have. Instead of how can I get, it's how can I give. When we are content with what we have, we will be able to see how blessed we truly are. And out of that, we will want to give 
generously. And the third is that we must confess freely. I believe the best way for us to go against and recover from sin is to be upfront and honest about it. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faith, faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Last week at men's group, that happens every Thursday night at 6.30 at Brothers Brewery. By the way, shameless plug. Had to happen. <laughs> we talked about seeking the truth and even hearing the truth. That it takes an open and loving heart. And so when we confess the truth to God, we one have to go in with an open heart and an open mind. And know that when we confess to God, that God also has an open heart and an open mind when we go to him. So the three ways to help us live in contentment. Seek the Lord. Give generously. And confess freely. Each of these will help us also live in connection with God as well as a whole. You see, fulfillment doesn't come from acquiring materialistic things. Fulfillment comes when living in connection with God. And through that, our hearts will belong to him and won't belong to our desires. And we can achieve true contentment in our lives through that. Let us pray. God, we just thank you so much for who you are, for the love that you have for us, for the mercy and grace that you show us. Lord, I ask that you just please be with each and every one of these people, whether they're here in person, online, or not with us this morning, that you just touch their hearts and let them see you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for us, for us not being perfect and not always being able to follow these Ten Commandments. Lord, let us look at these with open eyes and open hearts to see these as guardrails for us to live a life in contentment with you. Lord, help us to seek you as we go about our day and we go about our week. And we love you in your name. Amen.